When he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is a good morning, isn't it, when the sun shines. I hope that you rested well, that you are relaxed, and that all of us are happy to be here in God's house at this hour. As you know, today is the third Sunday after Easter. It is called jubilate, which is a Latin word. We were reminded of it twice this morning. In the intro, it says, make a joyful noise. That's jubilate unto God, all ye lands. And as you notice, the choir was in keeping with the Sunday. It also sang, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So this is the jubilation Sunday. This is the Sunday when we should rejoice and we should make a loud noise, when we should have something to shout about. That's the meaning of this third Sunday after Easter. And yet if you listen to the words of the text that I just read, which deals with the matter of discipleship, you may have said to yourselves, well, that doesn't sound much like jubilation. It doesn't sound much like having something to shout about. The words of our text, Jesus spoke up in Galilee. It was about at the end of his Galilean ministry, about six months before his death. We are told that while he was up there, he gathered the crowd together with his disciples. Then he looked at them and he spoke these words, rather stern to be sure. And he said, whosoever shall come after me, anybody that wants to be my disciple, anybody that wants to belong to me, anybody that wants to be mine, he said, Whosoever shall come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And you and I may say there's something foreboding about those words. There, there's something about them that it just doesn't fill us with joy. And we may say, what does he mean? In other words, he said to that multitude and to his disciples that day up in Galilee, he said, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to know this is what it's going to cost you. You're going to have to deny yourself. That means surrender. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to suffer. Then you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to find in your life you're going to submit to me. There must be submission. So that day he told them, if you're going to belong to me, it means this. It means surrender. It means suffering. It means submission. We may say, what's there to jubilate about in that? And today, through the word of God, he speaks to you and he speaks to me on this Sunday. And Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, and I'm sure you and I say we want to be his disciples, we want to belong to him, then Jesus said, this is what's going to cost you. This is what is necessary. This is what is imperative on your part. 
You're going to have to deny yourself. Jesus says, you're going to have to surrender yourself as an unfit savior for yourself. You're going to have to surrender once and for all and to say, I am an unworthy savior of myself. And then Jesus says, you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to pick up your cross. And then he says, you're going to have to submit to me in your Christian life as your Lord and as your boss. You're going to have to be obedient to me. We may say to ourselves, oh, I, I want to be a disciple, but is this the thing that is necessary? Is this what it's going to cost me? Is this the price of it, that it's going to be surrender, and it's going to be suffering, and it's going to be submission, subordination to him? We may say to ourselves, why? Why, Jesus, if we want to be one of your followers and one of your disciples, why does it have to be these things that are distasteful? These things that are not very popular. Why must I surrender? Why must I suffer? Why must I submit to you as the boss in my Christian life? We may ask him, we may say, I don't see any necessity for all this. We may say, I think you're asking something, Jesus, that isn't necessary, that it isn't vital. And yet our Christ, he answered it that day up in Galilee, and he told them, for whosoever shall save his life, he says, shall lose it. If you try to avoid this cost, you're going to lose your soul. But if you are willing to lose yourself, then you're going to gain it. Jesus said, if you want to know why, I'll tell you, and I'll not miss words. It's going to be necessary if you want to be saved. And if you want to go to heaven, if you want eternal life, this is the price, this is the cost, this is the sacrifice. It's either or. If you ask me why it is vital and necessary and imperative, Jesus says, it is necessary for your salvation unless you do. If you avoid this thing of surrender, if you try to evade it, if you try to evade suffering, if you try to evade submission, Jesus says, you're going to lose your soul. That's why he says to you and me this morning, this is vital. If you want to be my disciple, I promise you, you're going to have to surrender yourself as an unfit Savior. You're going to have to suffer. I offer you sweat, blood, and tears. I offer you submission. This is the cost and this is the price. Let's look at it. Number one, this thing of surrender. Christ would remind you and me, whether we like it or not, on Jubilation Sunday, that it's only when we have surrendered ourselves as being an unfit Savior to save ourselves. It's only when we have done that that we come to realize that we are lost and condemned sinners and that we need him. We may say, why must I surrender? Why must I go ahead and I must deny myself and repudiate myself as my Lord and Savior in order to be one of his disciples? Why, for the very simple reason that you and I can't be our own Savior. I wonder how many of us realize that. We see a lot of enthusiasm today, and I wonder if there's any knowledge behind it. We may say to ourselves, how can I realize that I've got to surrender myself as my own Savior? We may say, I want to be the captain of my soul. If there's any saving to be done, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live with the life that I have. I'm going to treat my neighbor right, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to harm anybody, and I'm going to be my own Savior. And Jesus says, unless you look at yourself and you surrender yourself as an unfit, unworthy Savior, you'll not be saved, you'll be lost. 
we may say to ourselves, how so? But when we turn to the word of God and we look to him for instruction, God says, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And God says to you and me, if you want to be your own savior, if you're going to save yourself by your life, then God says you've got to be perfect. If you're going to save yourself by your life, you've got to be able to tell me you've never thought as much as one evil thought. You're going to have to tell me that you've never spoken an evil word in all your life. You're going to have to tell me that you've never done an evil deed. You're going to have to tell me that you've never left undone the kindness that you might have done if you are going to save yourself by your life. And when we stand before him and then say, you win, I'm not perfect. When you have said that if I keep the whole law and yet break it in one point, I am guilty of it all, then when you and I stand before him and say, I don't score 100% before you, I've got a score of zero, that's when we stand and then Jesus says, now I want you to surrender and deny yourself. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I am an unfit person to save myself by my life. And Jesus says, when you do that, when you surrender and you deny yourself, even though it hurts to beat the band, then and only then, Jesus says, will you stand before me and confess that you are a lost and condemned sinner, that you have no righteousness within yourselves, that all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and then and only then will you turn and see that you need me. Only the man that has surrendered himself as an unfit Savior has turned to Christ and has said to him, I need you as my Savior. And then only then, and that's why it's so tremendously necessary and important that you and I surrender. Then only then do we stand before him and confess our sins and tell him we're sorry. Then only then do we put our faith and trust in him as our Savior. And then and only then are you and I saved. Do we have eternal life? We turn to him because we know something about him. We know that he was God's son, that he came into the world. He was born of a human being. We know that he suffered and died on the cross for us. We know that he arose on Easter. And therefore we turn to him and we tell him we are sorry. And we put our trust and confidence in him. And in that moment, because we have repudiated ourselves as our Savior, then and only then do we have eternal life. This is what he's talking about. We may say to us, why is it necessary that I've got to surrender? We say, I don't like that word. I don't want to surrender to anybody. I want to be the Savior of my own life. But on again, on the occasion up in Galilee when he spoke to the crowd, he said, you want to be my disciple? You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to repudiate yourself. You're going to have to surrender yourself as your only Savior. You're going to have to then, you'll turn to me. This is why it's absolutely essential. Let's look at this second one. He said, then you're going to have to pick up your cross. And you and I, we don't like that either, do we? Oh, that's distasteful. That's sort of obnoxious. Who, who wants to take up a cross? But he said, if you want to be my disciple, if you really want to belong to me, let me tell you, this is the cost. This is the price. This is what you're going to have to do. You are going to have to suffer. We may say, taking up the cross. He says, I offer you only blood and sweat and tears. Let me say, I wonder why. This is the, the amazing, puzzling thing in the Christian life, isn't it? We may say, why does he say you've got to bear the cross? You notice he said, let him take up his cross. That means in simple English, there's a cross that is ready with your name on it and mine. There's a cross that's got Martin Howlson on it. There's a cross that's got your name on it, your cross. You notice that? We may say to ourselves, I wonder why. If I want to be a follower of Christ, I've got to take up my cross with my name on it. Uh, 
Perhaps the thing that we are amazed at is, why does a Christian have to suffer? May I say in the outset, you and I do not suffer, that in suffering we atone for our sins, that it's essential for our salvation, God forbid. Jesus did all the suffering that is necessary for your salvation and mine. That's not it. We don't atone for anything. He did that on the cross, and he proved it by his resurrection. Don't forget that. But why this cross? Jesus, you remember when he talked to the twelve, he said, why the pupil isn't above the teacher? He said, they're going to hate you for my name's sake. They asked, why did they hate Jesus? God's son came into the world and humiliated himself and became a human being. He came to love. As the good shepherd, he came to lay down his life for the sheep and they murdered him. They planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they scourged him and they spit in his face and they slapped him. And I may say, why? Why? Oh, it, it's the wonder day that the Word of God says, marvel not, don't be amazed if the world hates you and tortures you. Jesus says it is only, therefore, this is so necessary that you and I suffer because only then do we show our willingness to endure, to endure the blasphemy and the shame and the ridicule and the pain that just go with being a Christian. We suffer why? This is the Christian life. Why did they put him to death? Why do they turn and why do you and I have a cross? Well, that's the world's reaction to a Christian. How many of us realize that when a man of the world looks at you and me and we say, I have put my faith and trust in Christ as my Savior, therefore I am saved and I am not damned. When he looks at you and me, he said, if what that guy believes is right, I am damned. I'm going to hell. And the only way he can get around this thing and evade it, if he isn't going to accept Christ, is to hate us. He's going to stand and say, you're nothing but a great, big hypocrite. Have you ever been called a hypocrite? This is the cross. What Christian hasn't? You and I have been called. This is the man of the world. The man of the world ridicules us. You mean to say that God's Son came to the world to save and that if we jack him, we're lost? Yet you and I stand. We stand as a monument and as a reminder to every man of the world that because of Jesus Christ, when he rejects him, he's damned. And he doesn't like it. And therefore, there come the slurs. And there come the ridicules. And there come the pains. Yes, even that our very lives are sometimes threatened. Jesus said, don't marvel if the world hates you. Christ said, but if you want to be one of my disciples, you're going to have to bear the cross and it's got your name on it. This is the place and it's absolutely necessary. Why? Because Jesus said, if you don't, you're not going to be saved because someday he said, I'm coming back again. And he said, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of the Father with the holy angels. Jesus said, I'm coming back. And if you've been ashamed of me, if you blush, if again you didn't want anybody to know that you belonged to me, if you didn't take up that cross that's got your name on it, and you weren't willing to suffer for me, and you tried to evade it, when I come I'll be ashamed of you, I'll spew you out of my mouth. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Oh, not the cross-bearing is essential to your salvation and mine. We don't atone for our sins, remember that. But with the Christian life, there goes a cross. And there's a cross with your name on it, and there's a cross with mine. And that's why 
even on Jubilation Sunday, Jesus says, I want to talk to you about what it means if you want to belong to me. Jesus says it means surrender. You and I say, I don't like that. But Jesus says, whether you like it or not, that's an absolute necessity if you want to be saved. It means suffering. And you and I say, I don't like that either. But Jesus says it's an absolute necessity and it's an imperative thing. Unless you want me to be ashamed of you, if you're going to be ashamed of me, this goes, it's part and parcel of the Christian life. There isn't any other Christian life except the one of suffering. You and I know it. When we think in our day, when we think of Stalin and we think of Lenin having put millions and millions of Christians to death, why? Because they were Christians. Because they stood in Russia as a monument of condemnation to those who rejected him. And even Mao in China, who has put millions of Christians, closed the door of China to Christian missionaries. Why? You and I say, why does the world hate? Because we stand as monuments of doom to the man that rejects Jesus Christ and therefore the only weapon he's got is to kill, to ridicule. And believe you me, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to be laughed at and to be sneered at and to be ridiculed. But there's a cross that's got your name on it and mine. And Jesus said, if you want to be saved, well, you can evade it. If you want to be saved, you're going to have to take it up because if you're going to try to save yourself and evade it, you're going to lose your life. You're going to have to take it up an absolute ascension. Then we look at this other one. How about submission? Uh, we don't like submission, do we? We grow up as kids and we don't like to obey anybody. We know best, don't we? But Jesus says, you're going to have to pick up your cross and you're going to have to follow me in my footsteps. In your Christian life, you're going to have to follow me and obey me. I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to be the boss, and you're going to knuckle to me. This is the price. This is what it's going to cost you. And you and I may say, why is that so necessary? Because Jesus would remind you and me that it's only when we follow him, when there is submission, we subordinate ourselves to him and to his will. Only then will we see to it that in our lives deliberate sin against his will doesn't occur. We don't like to submit. Jesus says, oh, you don't have to. He says, you may go out and say, I'm not going to submit to you. I'm not going to pattern my life after your rules. I'm not going to accept your standard of morality. I'm going to live the way I want to live. And I'm going out. So many young people are telling, what does marriage mean when it's only a piece of paper? What is immorality? That's only because you think that way. Who's going to be moral and clean and allow sex to be used only in marriage? What do I care about dope and acid? What do I care about smoking marijuana and all the dope? What do I care? I don't have to. And Jesus says, no. And he says this, if you think you're gaining something, why don't you go out and gain the world if you want to? He took a scale one day, you know, and on one side he said, what you going to profit if this is what you're after, you gain the whole world. Put on it the whole gamut of everything. You've drunk in everything. You've been your own boss. You haven't submitted to me. You have no standard of morality. You don't believe that it's a standard that I have set. But again, that this is this absolute standard of right and wrong. You can kick over the trace and supposing you gain the whole world. Supposing you've got everything. He put the whole world on one side and he put an immortal soul on the other and the scale went down. And Jesus said, what do you got? Because, again, first of all, no man has ever gained the world. You know, 
It was Alexander the Great, you know, that he wept and he cried because he thought he had conquered the world. And he said, there are no more worlds for me to conquer. And when you look on the map, Alexander didn't conquer one-third of the world. We say to ourselves, what about it? Jesus said, supposing you actually gained the whole world and you lost your soul. What have you profited? What, what have you got? Because the world at best is only temporary, and to lose our soul, that's an eternal loss, isn't it? For he said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? When you've lost your soul, what have you got to give in exchange that you can again get it back? You had the whole world, it isn't enough. He didn't redeem us with gold or silver, did he? But with his precious blood, with his inner suffering and death on the cross, this is what it cost. Oh, you and I can go out and kick over the traces, but Jesus says, I want you to know this. But if you're going to be one of my disciples, and this is an absolute necessity, you're going to have to knuckle down to me as your boss in your life. Because, he says, this is an absolute necessity, for only then shall you be in grace. Only then will you be in a saved relationship when you have eliminated deliberate sin, when you've said, this thing is wrong, and because it's wrong, I will not do it. And when we turn to Christ and we say, give me the strength, I will not do that which I know is wrong. Then Jesus says, you'll be in grace, and when death comes, you'll be ready at any time. It's an absolute necessity to submit, because death can come any time. I think of the late William Randolph Hearst, head of the Hearst Publications, a millionaire. That man was so afraid of death, you know, that he lived out in California. The word death was taboo. No one ever mentioned death in his presence. Anybody that came in was told, you don't mention death because William Randolph Hearst didn't want to hear it. He was scared to death. We are told that Krupp, who established the armaments in Germany, again, who made all the armaments in the German invasion, that he was another that when he was on his deathbed, he offered his doctor a million dollars. He said, I'll give you a million dollars if you can extend my life ten years. But death's going to come. And Jesus says, let me tell you, if you're going to be mine, and it's all the cost and the price because only then you're going to be saved, you're going to have to submit. You're going to have to submit, and that means we're going to have to see to it that deliberate sin doesn't happen in our life. We say to ourselves, if Jesus talks to you and me today, he said, if you want to be my disciple, let me tell you, it means this, it means surrender. You're going to have to surrender yourself as a very, very unworthy Savior. It can't be done. and You're going to have to pick up your cross. You're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to submit. And if you and I want to be his, then we ought to say, I'm going to pay the cost. And if you and I this morning can say, I'm willing to pay that cost, then we'll just stop for a moment and we'll determine to probe and we'll ask ourselves, have I surrendered myself as my Savior? Have you and I? Is there any self-righteousness sticking around in you and me? You know, I find individuals who are very enthusiastic about Christ the Savior and don't know what they're talking about. I'm finding a lot of enthusiasm without knowledge. I'm having some come to the adult class and telling me, I've been so enthusiastic about Christ, but I don't know who he is. I wonder how many of you appreciate the background you've gotten in your church, that you've been instructed that you know who Jesus Christ is. I can show you people that are talking about him as Savior and have no idea who he is. I wonder if you realize the pains taken that it takes to instruct. You know because you've been instructed. When you go out with your enthusiasm, you've got something to say. Do you know him as Christ?
have you surrendered yourself that you are not your own savior and then there's cause for jubilation then we have the joy of saying I know that because I have surrendered to Christ that I am saved that I am delivered from hell and that I have eternal life that's jubilation then we ought to look at ourselves and ask ourselves have I taken up that cross in my life that's got my name on it Christ has five scars that he got down on this earth being a Christian he's got one in each hand and one in each foot one on the side have you got any have I got any got any scars or have you and I never suffered have we never been laughed at never been ridiculed never been scorned because we've evaded it have we never said something about Jesus Christ have we never been called a hypocrite have we never been threatened Oh, if it's been roses and roses all the way and there has never been a cross, we have never been spitefully treated, then there's only one conclusion. Boy, we're sure keeping it a secret that we belong to Jesus Christ. But when we have scars and we say, this is the price we pay, this is part of the Christian life, then there's jubilation, there's something to shout about. Then we will look at the, these are badges of honor and distinction. The warrior comes home from battle and he wears again his honors and distinctions. How many do you and I wear? Or don't we have any? The joy of knowing these are honors and that Christ has said, Great is your reward in heaven. The time ought to come in your Christian life and mine when we bear that cross with joy. We say to ourselves, This just goes with the Christian life. There's no other way around it. And then there's something to shout about. We can say, this is the honor that Jesus has given. When the disciples were beaten, you know, they thanked him for the honor that they could suffer for him. This is part of it. Then we ought to today, if we're going to be his, we ought to say to ourselves, then I ought to question whether I have submitted to his will. How about deliberate sin? What have you and I done about deliberate sin? Is there deliberate sin, something that we're doing that we know is wrong, and we're doing it anyway? You know, you may say, well, someday I may walk away from Christ and no longer believe in him. You know, the, the possibility that you and I will no longer believe that he's the Son of God and Savior, uh, that uh, doesn't exist too much. The way you and I, if we're going to lose him, will lose him will be this, that we will continue to deliberately sin and we'll walk out on him and the faith will be nothing but in the head but the life will show that again we haven't submitted to him we haven't surrendered to his will we may say well I've been doing things that are deliberately wrong and will he forgive is he big enough to forgive and I'd like to know and let you know this no sin is so great, I don't care what it's been. Look at David. Can you mention any sins that were greater than what David did? When David again, he sinned with Bathsheba. He who was the king and saw her and she was a beautiful woman and brought her over to his house and had intercourse with her. She was another man's wife. When she let him know that she was pregnant, he called her husband home, Uriah, from the service and told him to go home so that again Bathsheba might blame the baby on him. But he didn't go home because he didn't think he should, being a soldier and the other ones were fighting. So David got him drunk and thought he'd go home the next night and he didn't go home. And when he didn't go home the second night, David sent him back with a letter to the captain to see that he was killed. And Uriah got killed. 
so that again no one would know and then he took her as his wife and here he was guilty of adultery and guilty of murder these were deliberate things and all the unrest that the man had when he said my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long he was roaring inside some of us experience the roaring again the restlessness of deliberate sin we're afraid to come but when Nathan came and told him the story about the man that had a lot of sheep, the rich man and the poor man that only had one, remember the rich man when he got company came and took that one sheep from the poor man and that poor man loved that sheep dearly and he roasted it instead of one of his own and David said, that man's got to die and Nathan said, you are that man. And then David created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit. Let's don't forget that after he repented, God said of David, he's a man after my own heart. We got communion this morning, haven't we? Are you restless? Have you and I seen, I haven't paid the price of submission. I'm living in deliberate sin. We talk about an altar call. What is holy communion but an altar call? Jesus says, why don't you come to my altar in holy communion and lay at my feet any deliberate sin that is driving you crazy inside. I will give you by means of bread and wine my body and my blood. This body and blood that was given and shed, these two erasers, and if you lay it sincerely at my feet with these erasers, I will erase from your soul every damned spot of any deliberate sin in your life if you will come and lay it at my feet, that you can go away and you can have peace within. You've got something to shout about. Then it's really jubilation sentence. Jesus calls, doesn't he? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Patiently, Jesus is weeping and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. The price Surrender, suffering, submission, jubilate, make a loud noise, shout, it's worth it, brother, it's worth it. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Thank mm -hmm. you.